Greetings, friends, and welcome to this episode of the Communication Guru Podcast, where we believe it is not always what you say, but how you say it that matters the most. I'm your host, Tim McMurtry, president and CEO of Tim McMurtry International LLC, a business consultancy specializing in personal development and training, government and public affairs, along with corporate and community relations. I'm delighted to have you join us and I thank you for your listenership and viewership of this show. As you know, our aim on this platform is to discuss nuances and insights relative to the communication continuum to help you maximize the impact and results of effective communication within your own various spheres of influence, be it your business, your relationships, and or your workplace. We're here to help you become a top-notch communicator. So be sure to like, share, and subscribe to this podcast so you can be notified when new episodes are released and are available for consumption. Now, communication is a broad subject matter, and like a big river, it has many tributaries or factors that can impact its effectiveness or lack thereof. See, the environment that you find yourself in at any given moment in time is one such factor that greatly impacts the what, the who, and the how of your communicative tactics at that given moment. So you have to be measuring and checking out and peeping game where you are at all times because it will give you clues as to how you can best communicate in that particular environment. See, communication is not a one-size-fits-all all of the time. It has nuances. And so your communication has to be nuanced and tailored into, quote-unquote, right-sized chunks. Sometimes they're bite-sized. Sometimes they're a bit elongated. Sometimes they're elastic. Sometimes they're short snippets. Sometimes they're to-the-point and direct. Other times they can be small talk, if you will, and you're building up momentum, you're kicking the ice, you're getting to know a person or an atmosphere a bit better. You have to be adept at rolling with all of these different communication right sizes, and you have to be observant enough and astute enough to know which one of them you have to pull out of your trick bag at any given time because it's a fluid type of a thing. So as you have your communication being right-sized for its effectiveness, it can then be magnified and maximized to meet the primary objectives that you may have. See, sometimes it's appropriate to be saying something, talking, having something to say, moving around, impacting. And other times it's appropriate to hush or shut up. Sometimes you just need to shut up. Like I tell myself sometimes, hey man, shut up because I like to <laughs> be talking so much so that I got a show that I can talk all I want to. So <laughs> right now, I'm not going to do no hushing. I'm going to do some talking and communicating. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> so this distinction between when to be saying something or when to be not saying nothing is particularly important for those of us who are talkers or loquacious or like to pontificate, or linguistically propagate, or even interpretate. <laughs> See there, I just gave y'all some bars. Bars. Uh-huh. 
You get the picture. So to this end, I want to share with you today the power of awareness, a communication clue. Awareness, a communication clue. So when you are in different spots, in different arenas, you don't just go a million miles a minute and you're just, I'm just here and here I am. No, you got to observe some things. So there are a couple of keys I just want to share with you briefly and I'll get out of your hair and we will move on. I just think these are important because they're not often talked about when we talk about communication and I want you to be equipped because my goal here is to have you be a top-notch communicator because I found in my life and in my career that the ability to effectively communicate greatly impacts the outcomes that I've been able to get in and out of life. Communication effectively has opened up many doors for me, has gotten me into places that I otherwise might not have gotten, and has even superseded, you know, what they call the proverbial qualifications. We need this, you need that, you need that. If you can communicate good enough, you don't need none of that. You just can communicate in a right kind of a way. And we'll get into some of those reasons why that is important as well. So the first thing I think I want to share with you guys as it relates to communication and awareness is observation. And so as a communicator, you have the verbal communication, you have nonverbal communication, you have different clues that people pick up on. All of those are being processed at the exact same time. And then you have the other isms that you also are competing against, be it racism, be it ageism, be it sexism, all those different things, all those factor into communication. However, if you can put together the right tactics in your communication, you can overcome and transcend all of those isms through the sheer power and effectiveness of your effective communication. And so what I mean by observation is when you enter into a space, if you're just out at the mall or you're in your workplace or you're in your business interacting with clients, you're at the crib with your spouse or your family with loved ones, you're meeting a stranger, wherever you are, you need to observe what's going on there. What is the atmosphere? What is the vibe? Why are you observing? Because that helps you in your communication. I remember talking to a retail sales person one time, and they were talking about the difference in how they approached customers and how that impacted sales. For them, instead of coming up to a person, as you see a person looking around the store, instead of coming up to them saying, hey, can I help you with something? And the person says, no, I'm just looking. You don't even approach it like that. They would approach the person with, hey, how's your day coming along today? What brings you here today? And as they are looking at something, they can say, you know what would go really good with that? I mean, they just went right into it. And just those subtle differences, what did they do? They observed the person. They looked for angles with which they could get into a rapport or relationship with the individual and not be obtrusive, as well as they looked for ways before they even started speaking on how they could get past the possible resistance that the client or customer may have had. And that all started with observation. So when you are communicating, I should say, in whatever area or endeavor you're in, first observe what's going on in this area and arena, both with your target audience as well as the general atmosphere at large. Because some people are analytical, 
they're to the point and this, this, and this. Short, they don't do the small talk thing. So you need to be able to pick up on that. So if you need to get right to the point, get right to the point. Other folks are free-spirited. You know, hey, how's it going? You can have an hour-long conversation about something off-topic before you even get to your topic. Other folks are welcoming, others not. Some people are open to discussion, open to meeting strangers and new people, others not. And others are super structured and reserved. So you need to know all of those things. And it really makes a difference. As I do work, when I was working particularly for a public relations firm here, part of my role was to interface with government officials in representing clients who were most typically real estate development clients. They had big commercial projects, multi-million dollar projects, and we were trying to help them get gap financing. And what that is, is tax incremental financing, meaning that if I have a project that's a $20 million project and I have 15 of that 20 million in my own personal equity, et cetera, I need five more million dollars to complete the project. I would go to a municipality to see if, hey, can you, under your tax incremental financing platform, provide me with that extra five million dollars? I'll repay it back through repayable taxes within 17 to 20 years or so. And so one of the things that I would do when I would have to set up the meetings, because the elected officials are very, very busy, you're one of hundreds of people trying to get their attention, and you're representing a client. So you have a customer, a client, and you have billable hours, and they're paying you to get the job done, to get them an audience with the elected official, and then beyond the audience, they are expecting you to help them get the vote for approval so they can get this money for the project. And so oftentimes, when you're dealing with gatekeepers, gatekeepers are the people that set up the appointments, executive assistants legislative assistants, secretaries, whoever, the person that sets the appointment for the elected official, they know what that official's schedule looks like. They know how busy it is. And they also know that official. They know what their nuances are, what they like, what they don't like. And because they are a direct report to them, they're not trying to get in trouble either. So if they've had an elected official tell them, hey, don't schedule my meetings back to back, I want at least a 15-minute window or a 30-minute window, an hour window, whatever their arrangement is, you're going up against that when you are trying to communicate, hey, I would like some time with this individual. So short story shorter, what I would do is when I would reach out to them, because I also served prior to working at this PR firm, I was a former chief of staff to a city council president. So I know what it's like working in a governmental office, working for an elected official. It's a fast-paced environment. Things are moving. You're cramming stuff into it, and you don't have a whole lot of time. And if you're working for someone who has a particular type of personality, you ain't trying to ruffle their feathers either. You work for them, not the joker that's trying to get a meeting. So if you got to choose between this joker that's trying to get into the office to get a meeting or your boss or the joker you're working for, that joker's trying to get the meeting, he's going to lose every time because you second fiddle to the person who I serve at the pleasure of. Anyway, so what I would do, knowing that it might be difficult to get an hour meeting, hey, I'd like to meet with elected official so-and-so or alderman so-and-so or this person or the mayor or whoever, is it possible? Do they have any time for a meeting on XYZ day? And I would start out with just 30 minutes. Why? Because on a communication tip, 30 minutes sounds a bit more doable than an hour. So I'm trying to curry some favor. I'm trying to give them some incentive to grant me the meeting. So I'll say, well, hey, is so-and-so and so-and-so available for a 30-minute meeting? I want to talk to them about X, Y, Z. I want to bring them up to speed, raise awareness about this project we're working with. 
And as soon I would listen for two quick things, observing, we're talking about observation and communication. The first thing I was looking for was how enthusiastic this gatekeeper was about even setting up the meeting on the days that I offered. Hey, what about Tuesday, you know, Thursday, maybe next Monday? So I try and give different options. I'm trying to make it easy to say yes to me and hard to say no. And so I would listen for enthusiasm first. The second thing I would listen for would be hesitancy. If I could hear that, okay, they want to set up a meeting, but uh, it's kind of tough. I would then, before they could even respond, say, hey, if I could just get 10 minutes with them. So now that sounds way better than an hour. So I didn't say an hour. I started with 30-minute meeting. Now I'm just saying 10 minutes. Why am I saying 10 minutes? I'm saying that because if I need to take longer, because this is their time, they will grant me extra time if what I'm sharing with them is compelling enough for them to want to hear more. You know what I'm saying? So I'm offering this knowing that they still are the stewards of their time. But if I say I just need 10 minutes or five minutes, I'll say 10 minutes, that then to the gatekeeper sounds a lot more doable. Oh, I can get you, I can fit you in for 10 minutes. Can you keep it to 10 minutes? I can keep it to 10 minutes. And so, Now, when I get into the office, don't do a bait and switch and you have this hour-long presentation because I'm observing. They don't have much time. So what I'm going to do is say everything I got to say. I'm going to try and say it within eight or nine minutes. And what this communicates to them is, one, he kept his word. He was like, hey, Tim, I only got 10 minutes, man. What you got? Ain't time for small talk. How about the Packers, man? You think they're going to sign Aaron Rodgers, man? We ain't got time for all of that. What you want? So get right to it. And if you can say what you need to say in less time than what you even allotted, which was already truncated, what that does is gives them two indications for you from your communication. Number one, it builds trust because you are trustworthy. You are a person of your word. You only said 10 minutes. You didn't take an hour. You took 10 minutes or eight or nine, even less than a 10. Number two, it's usually more times than not grants you favor with them because they've seen that you are respectful of their time. They will grant you more time. So y'all might end up having an hour conversation or 30 minute conversation. There's plenty of times where the assistant will come in. Hey, you got so-and-so, so-and-so waiting outside. They'll say, hey, tell them 10 or 15 more minutes because I'm talking to Tim over the time that he said. And it wasn't because he was talking. It's because what he was saying was compelling enough. When he said he wanted to wrap it up, hey, I know you only had 10 minutes, so I'm going to say this last piece and I'm going to go, oh, no, 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 no. What else you got to talk about? See, but it started off with me observing the situation and atmosphere and governing my communicative tactics accordingly, okay? Now, I've had to learn some of that. I mean, I had another situation where my observation was a little off. And I <laughs> missed the cues. I had a little cousin, little Cole. He just recently graduated from Marquette University. Shout out to Cole Hines. 4.0 student, got two or three job offers, graduated top of his class. I think magna cum laude or whatever. He's a rock star. He's also a thespian. He's an actor. So he was in this production of The Jungle Book, and he played the lead character, Mowgli. And we went one of the little family nights and everybody was there. And afterwards, I guess one of the main stagehands or the producer or director of the show was out in the lobby area, you know, with some pizzas because they were having a little after set or whatever. And 
I was over with a couple of cousins, other relatives. He rocked the house, had a little show. Our little cousin is the star of the show. And we, after setting, you know how it is, you're kind of a little amp. So I was a little amp. And my observation was a little off. I was slipping. Wasn't watching what's going on. As tough as I should have been. So the, the rector guy was engaged in a conversation with somebody. I was after the play or whatever. They didn't have a bunch of paperwork or anything like that. Puts us after the play. So I wasn't thinking that this was some major type of big deal they was doing. So I'm like, okay, we got the little piece of there. Okay, go ahead. Don't hide it, divide it. You know, just kind of chirping off to the side, trying to get dude a hint of, <laughs> you got 10 pizzas. Open them pizzas up so we can eat. So after a couple of minutes of consistent background noise that I was given, he turned from the dude he was talking to and said, shh, to me. <laughs> I got shushed. <laughs> and it was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so my cousin, dude, did he just shush you? And I was like, yeah. Now, he was a cool guy. Later on that evening before we left, he came, hey, sir, I apologize for that. I mean, that was just that I was engaged in a conversation. There was some important information that I needed to get from that guy. <laughs> and low-key, you was a distraction. So shut up. So for me, the lesson was peep gang. Even if you're hyped and amped up and you want to do this, that, or the other, observe your environment and take note of, okay, is this a time for me to be saying something? Or is this a time for me to be shutting up? Because once you get past that, and if you are to be saying something, what is the most appropriate thing that I should be saying right now? How long should it be? Should it be a bite-sized chunk? Should it be a lot? Should it be a quick thingy? Could it be a head nod? Could it be a nonverbal communication cue? Or does it have to be verbal? All these things, they are cumulative as well as congruent. They work together and they work in sequence. But you have to be observant of all of that to know which of these things is most appropriate for you at any given moment. So observe. When you walk into a space, observe what's going on. And it will give you cues and clues on what communication tactic you ought to take at any given moment in time based on the environment, not so much based on what you're bringing to the table. You know what you're going to say. You know what you're capable of. You know what you can and cannot do. But your, quote unquote, permission to do that stuff will be dictated greatly by the environment. Is it time or not? Remember T.D. Jakes, the great pastor, entertainment mogul, movie producer, multi-hyphenated guy. Y'all probably have heard of him before. He was talking, you know, some years ago, he was invited to a big deal kind of a dinner. And Colin Powell was the keynote or the great guy. He was seated next to Colin Powell as well. So Colin Powell was the former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff in the U.S. Armed Services, also was a candidate for president a few years back. And this was right after he had retired from the Joint Chiefs of Staff and he was a candidate for president. So this was kind of a big deal. You know, a lot of highfalutin folks, big time, A-listers were there. This is TDJ. He in the room, so he an A-lister too. Time Magazine had him on the cover in like 2007 saying this is America's preacher. So... He ain't no slouch. And so what he said was he was in the room and there were some things that were said and he began to offer his opinion of some stuff. 
And kind of said, I kind of went on a little bit. I said this, and then I said that, and then I said this, and then I said that. And then either later on that evening in the room, he was called to the side, or sometime afterward, he found out that kind of what he was saying was a little off. And he really shouldn't have been saying nothing because he wasn't in his lane when he was talking about what he was talking about. And so what he said was, and so the lesson for him, this is what he was saying, I'm just paraphrasing, was sometimes when you go into a space, the best thing you can do is just kind of be quiet and just observe and absorb what's going on. Because your communication, your verbalization of things might not even happen in that space. It could be some subsequent things where you'll get a chance really to leverage that experience. But what he was saying was that you have to evaluate at that moment in time, should I be saying something? Should I be communicating anything? Or should I just kind of fall back a little bit and just be in the room and not, unless I'm asked something particular, hey, Tim, hey, Bishop Jakes, hey, whatever your name is, what do you think about X, Y, Z? So you have to kind of monitor those things. So observation is the first thing. I'm going to go ahead and quickly go through these others. The next thing you have to do is peep the culture, okay? There's a certain thing called etiquette that you need to be also mindful of. And again, this is the power of awareness. For example, if you walk into a room and somebody is either engaged in something else or on the phone, don't just start talking to them. Hey, I need this, 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 this. Hold on. You can ask, excuse me, are you busy? Are you got a quick second? Doing those things because they could be in the middle of something and you just barged in and you didn't observe and you didn't kick out the appropriate etiquette. So being mindful of these things, all these, I know it sounds like it's not that big of a deal. But all these things will help you in your communication. Why? Because in communicating, whatever you're communicating, your objective is to get what it is you desire. And how you handle people through your communication will go a long way toward their willingness to help you get what you want or them saying, man, I ain't want to deal with you. So now you don't get a chance to get your objective met. So one, observation. Observe what's going on. Number two, etiquette. It goes a long way. I was dealing with a union leader uh, one time. This was some years ago. And we were looking for his support on something. And I called. And when I called, I left a message. Didn't get a response back within a couple of days. I left another message. I called back, sent emails. And I must have communicated with or attempted to reach out to him no less than five or six times, no exaggeration, just five or six times. But each time, after the first time I called, he didn't call him back. My second message was, hey, this is Tim McMurtry calling from XYZ. I wanted to follow up with Bob James relative to XYZ issue. When you get a chance, feel free to give me a call back. My third call, hi, this is Tim McMurtry just calling. So and so and so looking for Bob James. Wanted to uh, touch base regarding XYZ. Uh, feel free to give me a call at your convenience. At the fourth time, I never said, this is my third time calling. Why don't you return my call, man? What do you do? I didn't do any of that. Why? Because I'm still in need of his support for something. So I'm leaving this on a voicemail message. Whether he got my messages or not, I can't jeopardize him being ticked off by my message of being ticked off that you didn't call me back within the first five times. Uh-uh. My communication 
has to be effective. And what happened was he called and talked to the owner of the firm that I was working with and said something along the lines of, hey, I apologize for not getting back to you, your organization sooner. But I will say this, that the young man that you had that was calling, one of the reasons why I felt compelled to even give you a call back on this and hear more about it, see if I can give him additional support, was the cordial way that young man who called me repeatedly, how he engaged on the voicemails that he left. And so because I didn't go off, because I wasn't foul and stanky, because I wasn't hooked, call me back and quit being a buster. I didn't go there. I just kept it professional. I kept it inviting. I kept it professional and cordial because I need your assistance. I'm calling you for something and you got to get back to me at your convenience. Perhaps the times I was calling wasn't convenient for you. An emergency for me ain't your emergency. That's my problem I got to deal with. Now, I'm at your grace or mercy on whether or not you're able to help me. So my communication, I don't want to give you any reason not to want to play ball with me. And I can dictate how I communicate to you. I can't dictate how you roll with me, though. You know what I'm saying? So as a communicator, you want to always put your audience in the best possible position to want to say yes to you and help you do what you do as opposed to, ugh, I don't ever want to see you again. Get out of my face and life forever. You don't want your audience to be saying that about you. So observation. Next, keep the culture and atmosphere that you're dealing with and let that also be a clue, an indication on how you ought to properly and effectively communicate. Now we talk about specific tactics. Now I just named a couple of them. When you are calling people, always be cordial, always be professional. Even if you're in need of something, they didn't get back to you. Don't get funky and file because human nature is that you win more with honey than you do with vinegar. And people like people that's cool and cordial and nice better than ornery foul people. Some things are human nature. Just like pretty people get preferential treatment because they look good. Just like when you smell good, you get preferential treatment. Just like rich people get preferential treatment because it's just human. Some stuff is what it is. So what you can do is use the is what it is to your advantage. If you know that acting ugly and funky and foul don't necessarily endear people to you. Don't be doing that. You've been to the store before. You walked in the convenience store or grocery store and the cashier acting all funky and didn't even say, hi, how can I help you? Or welcome to the store, just taking your little stuff and burp, burp, just that'll be $75. Just stanky. you like, what's your, I ain't do nothing to you. Hook. You feel some kind of way when you get treated like that. Guess what? When you treat other people like that, they feel some kind of way too. So don't do that because you're still trying to get an objective to be met. So one, be cordial in your communication. Understand that if you need to get right to the point, get right to the point. Be respectful of people's time. Be respectful of that, okay? I mean, now in this day and age, now recently with the, you know, following the George Floyd killing and the aftermath and the former Minneapolis police officer, Derek Chauvin, getting convicted of second-degree murder and all these kinds of things, this diversity, equity, and inclusion movement appears to have some staying power. So there is a sensitivity to how you engage people. So now more than probably any other time in our history, not just in the nation, but across the world, people want you to have some emotional intelligence and communicate with some respect, with some dignity that you convey. 
as you do that, you get a chance to get favor from people. Why is that? That's because communication itself, hear me closely, communication is a spiritual force. Yeah, it moves people's emotions. It moves their innermost being in how it's done. Most marriages, it ain't cheating or something like that that causes them to end. And I found out recently it's not even necessarily issues of money. What I found out is issues of communication that either keeps or kills marriages, the closest relationship that two human beings can have. So if communication can be a make or break situation in the most close relationship human beings can have, how do you think it impacts every other aspect of life? Now, I don't got a chance. I don't have time to go into all the marriage. That's a whole other thing. And even just the other day, my wife was asking me some questions and I kind of had to afterwards kind of check myself because I was a little foul. She was asking me about some of the things that I had coming up and I was short with her. I got this, I got this, I got this, I got this. And it was a little funky because it was inconvenient. I had already been doing some stuff and, you know, these are excuses. I this, this, and what about me and whatever. And I was just thinking, man, you was foul to her, bro. You didn't have to talk to her like that so much. So I might have to even go apologize. Afterwards, I was replaying. I think it was <laughs> the, the Holy Spirit saying, Joker, fix that. And so my point is, is that you have to continually observe you and let your communication always be seasoned with grace, even when it's inconvenient for you, because it can impact some things. The scripture in the Bible that talks about Jesus was talking to the disciples and saying, when y'all go out and spread the gospel, when you go into somebody's house, you know, leave your peace with them. And if they ain't trying to hear what you got to say, go ahead, leave the house, dust your feet off and go on to the next place. What he was saying, leave your peace. How are they able to leave their peace? Because communication has a spiritual component to it. It's a spiritual force. They could leave. They can impact atmospheres. Your communication impacts atmospheres. Have you ever walked around and walked into a room and you felt that they was talking about you in a negative kind of way? Yeah, that's a spiritual force. You felt that. You sensed that. They didn't say, no, what y'all doing? What y'all talking about? Oh, oh, nothing. And even if they said nothing, you still knew that y'all was talking about me. Why? Because there's a spiritual atmosphere of force that's connected, embedded within communication. You can use all of that to your advantage. If in your communication, you first observe the environment that's going on. Number two, you peep what the culture is. What are the norms? What is the best way for me to communicate in this particular arena? Number three, you identify the specific tactics. Should I say a lot? Should I say a little? Should this be a nonverbal piece? Should it be a verbal piece? Should it be written? And then finally, you peep the feedback that you have been receiving from said collection of communication cues. So with that, you all, I have a lot more I want to share, but I'm going to close it out here and save some of this for next time. So I appreciate your listenership. Thanks so much for listening today. Hopefully you found this to be very, very helpful and impactful for you and some things you can readily implement in your communication toolbox. 
Also remember to like, share, and subscribe to the Communication Guru Podcast. That is found everywhere you can find podcasts, Apple, iTunes, all of that. Also be on the lookout for the Morning Inspiration Vlog, which are inspirational words of encouragement and insights that you can find on Facebook, Instagram, as well as LinkedIn. And finally, if you have yourself a communication issue that you may need assistance with, be it personal, organizational, business-wise, or any otherwise, (laughs) feel free to drop me a line for a free 20 to 30-minute consultation or discovery call at tim at timmcmurtryinternational.com. Again, tim at timmcmurtryinternational.com. Also include a brief description of what your issue is, and we can go ahead and discuss that on the call to see if we can get you right and straight on that piece. So with that, thanks again so much for your listenership and viewership. I really appreciate it. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share. And until next time, blessing and increase to you. Bye, y'all.